0: Welcome to our podcast on chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, presented to you by the European Respiratory Society. In the February edition of the European Respiratory Journal, various original articles are dedicated to COPD. We would like to highlight one study which deals with the genetics of COPD and one that focuses on clinical aspects such as patients' perception of symptoms and their variability. I am Anka Stegmaier-Petroianu, the Press Officer for the ERS. I am pleased to be speaking to ERJ Associate Editor and COPD expert Dr. Juan Soriano. He is Director of the International Center for Advanced Respiratory Medicine in Mallorca, Spain. Welcome, Dr. Soriano.
1: Thank you, Anka. Good to have
0: you. Dr. Soriano, smoking is still the major cause of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Why is it that only a subset of smokers develop COPD?
1: The fact that only a fraction of those exposed to a risk factor do eventually develop a disease is common. Only a subset of those who eat fast food every day for life will die or even develop cardiovascular disease. Even in infectious disease, only a subset of those exposed to mycobacterium tuberculosis will develop TB. We live in a stochastic probabilistic universe where chance plays a role, and the interaction of environment and genes is required. In COPD, the search for genetic determinants is on.
0: So, if COPD may be in your genes, what such a genetic predisposition mean clinically? How important is a family history of the disease?
1: Hmm. Difficult to answer quantitatively. Cigarette smoking is the causal factor in COPD and it is often said that only 15 to 50% of heavy smokers will develop COPD. But twin studies and other study design identify that if you have sibs, parents or grandparents with COPD and lung cancer, your risk to develop them independent of smoking is increased.
0: One of the genes implicated in the progression of COPD involves the regulation of an inflammatory pathway which is dexamethasone-resistant. What does this finding add to the current understanding of the pathophysiology of COPD?
1: Well, in this month's ERJ, Professor Perbake from Bergen, Norway, leading an international team, explores these particular issues. They selected more than 200 polymorphisms of 16 candidate genes related to COPD phenotypes and tested them first in a case-control study of nearly 2,000 Norwegians and after, in an international family-based sample of more than 2,500 individuals. Replication of results in different samples is considered the more robust design in genetic studies. They identified new COPD candidate genes whose study should advance our understanding of the pathophysiology of COPD.
0: The second study we would like to discuss by Roman Kessler and colleagues looks at COPD from the patient's perspective. Are patients symptomatic in between exacerbations? And how do these symptoms vary throughout the day?
1: Kessler's and colleagues' study is also a very important one. We know of COPD for a number of years, yet COPD holds many surprises. We thought it was only during exacerbations that patients experience increased symptom burden and variability, while in between exacerbations, and similar to what occurs in asthma, we were labeling it in a stable state. Well, not quite so. If you measure it appropriately, even in these COPD patients with no exacerbation leading to therapeutic intervention in the previous three months, most of them suffer shortness of breath and other respiratory symptoms with daily or weekly variability. Modern technologies, like questionnaires, over the telephone and even by the Internet, help with the accurate recording of these subtle changes.
0: Will it be helpful to make patients more aware of changes in their symptoms, for example, as an early warning of a possible exacerbation?
1: Certainly, in all chronic diseases associated to aging and smoking, patient education plays a major role, an adaptation mechanism that is patients doing less to avoid increased fatigue and respiratory symptoms, should be identified by patients and their caretakers. Interestingly, in Kessler's paper, they report wide international variations as well, with extra tables actively requested by our STAR ERJ peer reviewers during the handling of this manuscript, included in an online appendix. On your last question... The early identification of COPD exacerbations with symptoms or biomarkers is a different and more complex issue.
0: So how would the knowledge that patients perceive the morning as being the worst time of day for experiencing COPD symptoms impact on treatment or management decisions in clinical practice?
1: Well, most bronchodilators need to be administered twice daily, morning and night. The new UltraLaba and UltraLama drugs claim that they need only a morning administration. For a COPD patient, only with their doctors can modify any prescribed treatment to minimize individual burden.
0: Finally, is there anything else of interest on COPD in this month's ERJ?
1: So many things to read, so little time. If only, I would like to highlight to our readers the wonderful wo- for and against editorials of my fellow associate editors Ambrosino and Polky. It's about the inspiratory muscle training in pulmonary rehabilitation in COPD, and I think that they are really worth reading to create your own critical opinion about this issue.
0: Thank you very much for this excellent overview, Dr. Sariano.
1: Thank you, Anka.